the coolest ever. Yeah, it's, it's the best, man. It really is. Like we're, we we want to get on the Opry, of course. That's a big goal of ours. But to, to be able to do the Ryman and do it twice now, yeah, it's dream come true, man. No doubt about it. Very special, haunted place. And and they don't have that what live laugh love sign uh, back there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, what a shot! We were really surprised at that. <laughs> Missed opportunity. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Joining us for our conversation this week, they make up part of the group East Nash Grass. Please welcome in James Key and Maddie Denton. Hey, hey, happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you guys guys could join, and I think think we're in for a, a fun conversation. Now, this is called Bar Conversation, so I always ask this to start things off. I got, since you guys are down in Tennessee, I got a little Tennessee whiskey, a little rattle and snap. Um, do you guys have anything good to drink tonight? Um, I think we have some bush light. <laughs> uh, and then some uh, the Kroger's Sparkman Water, the Le Kroger. So the hard stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I've got this water right here. However, if I were to choose my favorite drink, there is one at D's Lounge where we play every Monday night. And they call, well, they used to call it a Smoky Mountain Sour. And I think they changed the name of it. What do they call it now? Spicy it's Mango called it Spicy or something? Mango, yeah. It's, it's nice. Mm. Yeah, it's Mango Habanero uh, from, from Old Smoky. Gotcha. A little, little moonshine to, to get you going. Yeah, it, it's like technically a whiskey, but it's uh, it's got like May said, a little bit spicy, and um, I I don't ever need more than two of those. <laughs> uh, we got to remember all the songs you're playing, right? <laughs> yeah, well, in theory, mostly, yeah. Um, so normally we we'll make the transition to Bush Light, you know, mm-hmm. a- after that. Mm-hmm. I like it. Keep it keeping it simple. I, everyone loves a, a good bush light. I love a good craft beer as well. Hence the hops and spirits. You got a little bit of both both worlds there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we just like the beer to be see through. That's our only request. That is fair. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. Light, light, and easy drinking. <laughs> right. That's what we ask people. You know, uh, quality's not really important either. Price. Is. Price. 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 Is very key, key component. Mm-hmm. Volume, yeah, uh, also. <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 all is a, a balancing act, and, and, uh, and I like that. And and you know, my my first question, I'm, I'm going to start ladies first on on this one. So James, you, it might be a second or two before I get a question again for you. But Maddie, you've been playing the fiddle since you were five. Is that right? That's right. Yes, as long as I can remember, essentially. Now, how did you get started on the fiddle? Uh, well, so my mom is also a fiddler, and she's from DeKalb County, Tennessee, um, rural, rural place. And her dad, uh, so my granddaddy, also played. And he's not with us anymore, but so we have the three generations, and that's that's meant more to me the older I've gotten. I didn't, I couldn't really wrap my little brain around that when I was when I was younger, but. Uh, since he's gone and you know, I just, it's pretty cool that there's three generations of fiddlers. Now, was there any chance you were ever going to play anything else then? <laughs> uh, I played a little bit of, well, see, I grew up going to fiddle contests 
and there's, in addition to fiddle, there's always other categories, mandolin, guitar, even dobro. I entered that a few times. I would never play dobro for anyone uh, these days. I learned my little two songs for when there's only two contestants and they were given given money away. <laughs> so I'd get my little smart, dobro, smart. eBay dobro <laughs> out. I think paid, dad paid $50 for that thing. Bless. But, uh, yeah, I played, I, I wanted to play all the instruments, claw hammer, banjo, play a lot of tenor guitar and back people up, back the other fiddle contestants up during the contest. But fiddle was always the main thing. So, and, and I've, I've focused less on the other instruments the further along I've, I've gotten on fiddle. So fiddle is just the main thing, but I can tinker around on some other things. If need be, right? If need be. <laughs> right, right. And now, now James, you, you're a guitar guy. How did you get hooked on the guitar? Uh, I My first instrument, but it's probably more recent that I've been doing it full-time, you know, I guess professionally. I've really played mandolin most of my career. So when I was younger, I'm a little bit older than Maddie, but uh, Maddie used to, I didn't know she played other instruments, you know. But, but many of us bluegrassers were kind of like that. We would find one instrument and stick with it for a really long time. So when I was growing up, Maddie was a little younger, but she would just terrorize all the kids at this local contest circuit. You know, she would show up, and I would hear them. They'd be like, oh, that's Betty didn't know shit, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they'd been practicing their ass off, and they knew they were probably, you know, they, they were probably going to get that ass beat. But maybe not, you know. You know, it wouldn't, She didn't win them all, but she won a hell of a lot of them. And... I had a friend that I backed up in contests as well. I never really got into the contest, but I would back him up in these contests against Maddie. So that was how I first met her. But um, I always kind of played guitar and mandolin. I also played banjo. I can can play bass. But we hell, we can all do that. But it's better being a bass player. It's, like, it's a whole other thing, <laughs> you know. Everybody in East Nashgrass can play bass, but uh, none of us really. Play. To, to do it, yeah, it's a, it's a whole other thing, and, and, and really, guitar's not that different either. Like I've been two years this month with East Nashgrass playing guitar. So, like our first album, I'm playing mandolin, Harry's playing guitar, uh, and we we made the switch at a show we did uh, like right at a year ago, and we liked it. It was easier for me to sing. Thought it was easier to lead the band, especially with our weekly gig where we have a lot of fill-ins. We have a lot of people that aren't there all the you know that that are out intermittently, and but it's just a hell of a lot easier to lead the band than playing guitar. I understood why all the country singers do it, you know. And uh, I enjoy playing rhythm, and I felt like Harry's such a such a just sensational mandolin player that his personality fits mandolin better, and it fits our band better, and made our sound stronger, and it just made everybody's lives a little easier. So I've been having to kind of like shed wood a little bit on guitar because I always played it at the house, but never really professionally until the last two years so it's it's definitely been a, a learning curve for me because i was very comfortable playing mandolin i spent my whole career doing it and so now i'm out here doing different stuff but hey you know dan Sminsky did it that's right so it, it worked out good i was gonna say you gotta learn you, you can learn whenever right it doesn't matter you can always learn new things <laughs> yeah it gets harder when you get older um <laughs> For sure, and especially like everybody in this group plays at such a high level that um, it's it's a, it's a lot of work no matter what instrument you're on, you know. 
Well, and and I was going to say, I mean, how how did you guys um, all all come together? Like, how what's the story behind how East Nash Grass kind of came together? Um, Is it you question? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> almost. The I mean, Maddie was there basically as soon as the gig became my responsibility. We started there as he, in East in September or August of 2017. Me and Harry had both moved to town around the same time period. I moved at the end of 2016, and he had came along about that time. And so he had the contact on the gig with our friend Luke, and we did it for a while. Um. And then to make a long story short, we ended up getting fired from the gig and then rehired. And then the, the gig kind of became my responsibility at that point in time, which I think was June of 2018. So we, I was able to get Maddie shortly after that. Um, Corey started playing not too long after that. Um, you know, and I, Gavin actually started in that same time period too. Then Don't fill in. And then Gavin. And then, and then our bass player, Jeff Pickard. Yeah, so you know, just kind of a collection of several years of what started out as just something that me and him, we both needed something to do when we moved to town. We took this gig, and Dee's was a new bar too. They just opened, so they kind of were looking for entertainment. Uh, any any normal bar wouldn't have hired us because we had no material, no band, no clue what we were doing. So we we just lucked out that they were getting started too, and we we kind of grew together. Once it became, you know kind of an established core group of people we started doing some special events and you know we we noticed that a monday night was a good night because all these professional musicians in nashville get off the road and they want to come out and have a drink and hang out because they're not working on the next day you know and so we we realized that like all of our friends that were in that circle it, it became a really great spot for us to hang out mm -hmm. yeah you never know who's going to show up in the audience uh on a monday night you know, last night we needed a fill-in on, well, last, we needed a fill-in recently, and it was Dennis Crouch. It's like he's just, they're just a phone call away on a Monday night. Um, but, yeah, you never know who's going to show up. It's pretty cool. Well, and I feel like that's, like you said, that's kind of how the band kind of came together, you know, as you guys then got the lineup going. But you all took a different journey to Tennessee, except for you, Maddie, because I think you, you've always been in, been, been in Tennessee, but everyone else has, has kind of journeyed to well, Tennessee. James, James is yeah. from Tennessee as well, but he's from East Tennessee, mm. so he, you know, he had multiple <laughs> hours to have to drive. I just, I had about 45 minutes from home. 40 if traffic's nice. <laughs> But I'm sorry. I and I was gonna say, what was the question? No, no, I was gonna say so. But I mean, at the end, y'all kind of ended up in in Nashville, and that's kind of obviously where where everything grew from. Well, I guess my question would be then, what brought you all all to Nashville? Uh, I think we all just wanted to play music at a higher level and play professionally. Not just you know you can play professionally, but anywhere. But coming here, um, man, they're just such a great encouraging group of musicians that do the kind of stuff that we do and it's where it, all the pros a lot of the pros live is here lots of them live here so you have access to all these amazing people and um i, I could tell you story after story about like records i grew up listening to and then me getting to work with these very same people and man those are those are great moments mm -hmm. um and it was a great opportunity and that kind of stuff just happens here as people that are hungry for the music if you're hungry for money or fame and things like that, I think people go to L.A. They might go to New York. But if they really love the music, 
and they love being, being able to create it and being around those kind of great people that share that, they're, they're going to often end up here. Well, and I was going to say, you talk about playing professionally. You know, it's one thing to, you know, whether it was you, Maddie, doing the, the circuit and, and winning a, a many, many uh, fiddle contests and, and, you know, getting to perform with different groups. But when did you guys decide, like, hey, this is something I want to do career-wise? Because I feel like that's a different thought at, at some point in someone in everyone's life well so I was actually a high school biology teacher after college I, in college I had a degree in biology James has an environmental science degree um, so both of well he's using his little bit I'm not as much using mine anymore but uh, I was teaching high school biology for five years and and, and I didn't hate it. There was parts of it that I really loved, actually. And I, my coworkers were amazing. And it was a really fantastic experience. I'm so glad that I got to do it. But it just wasn't, it wasn't what I, it, it wasn't my passion. And I love the kids and I, you know, it's, but it wasn't the thing that I wanted to be doing. And I was like, you know what? It's, I'm young and now's the time. And I can always go back to teaching or using my biology degree if need be. Um, so, and playing with these guys is just, it's my favorite. And I, I felt like I had enough of a cushion playing with East Nash Grass and Dan Tominski too, because I'm also in his band. But, you know, I felt like I wasn't just diving off a cliff into who knows what. So, I, and I've... It's been the best decision ever. So I made that decision about a year ago. So I've had one year now of no school, and it's getting towards the end of July, and I don't have to think about back to school or shopping or any of that. And so uh, I, I feel great about that choice. Well, and that's the other thing, too, that made it so much easier for all of us was, like, this is the best music I think any of us have ever been part of especially in bluegrass and uh, and you just don't get a lot of those kind of opportunities and so i think that's the music kind of made that decision for us in in a way well and like you said you guys are, are a great group group there and how did you come up with the name east nash grass that was Corey. um i don't remember how he came up with that people get it people ask that ask us that a lot well, it's not as self-explanatory as what I thought. I mean, it's East Nash grass, and oftentimes it's a bit of a tongue twister. It is, <laughs> it is that. Um, but people come up to us after shows, and they're like, "Okay, so where are y'all from?" Yeah, so, uh, that, that's the thing. We thought it'd, it'd be more revealing, and I guess when you live here in town, you pay more attention to these things. It's not as widely known, but like, if you're into mainstream music bro country, that kind of stuff. It's going to, you're going to live on the west side of town. You're going to work on the west side of town. And if you're into like indie music or bluegrass ends up falling into this category a lot of times, you know, but if you're into something that's not mainstream, you're going to be on the east side of town. Um, and that's neither a bad or good thing, you know, because there's really nice places in both. Like there's very expensive real estate on both sides of town. It's not like a not really a contest but there's there's a palpable difference when you move here like when you go out there to the bars on the on music row like what they're playing there versus what they're playing over here on the east side of town the town people that, that played there 
So that's that's it, really a lot of what it means is that if you're in the area, you you would hopefully recognize that it's an East Nashville thing, which we're in the far East Nashville with Madison, and that's kind of pushing it. But mm-hmm. it's still Davidson County. It's you east know, of so. Nashville, which is I was going to say, you can't go like out na, na, out Nash grass. That'd be kind of weird. So I like East Nash grass. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people people did ask us that a lot, though, I guess, because it makes it seem kind of like a regional band, and now we're, now we're, we're branching out a little bit. But, um, you know, the National Bluegrass Band did that, too. It didn't seem to affect their notoriety. No, or the or the Nash villains. I mean, they they seem to be doing okay too. You know, the the rock. You know, the, I mean, there's a lot of folks that, you know, it's just a name. It's just a name. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I always loved growing up what the Nashville Bluegrass Band meant to me because man, they were on everything. They they were on all the TNN shows, on the Opry all the time, and at Opryland. Uh, my my mom's side of the family's from here in Nashville. She grew up right down the street from where we are right now, and so I have a lot of family here, and I spent a lot of time here growing up. But we would see them everywhere, and they were they were just so badass, man. I loved Alan O'Brien singing with Pat and Stuart Duncan. I mean, holy shit, that stuff was was so great. So, you know, we just thought if we could kind of do the same thing that they did, which is like they were a national bluegrass band. You know, they were like the what was hot in bluegrass at that point in time. And if if we could try to assume even half of what they did, I think we'd feel pretty good about it. Well, and I was going to ask you, you mentioned that that group. I mean, who were some of the others that kind of impacted y'all, whether it was growing up, you know, and the music you listened to or wanted to emulate? Well, I listened to so much Texas-style fiddle because I was into the contest scene, and I went out to Weezer in the national championship, and it's all about Texas-style out there. So I listened to a bunch of Terry Morris and Benny Thomason, Shorty Chancellor, um, yeah, I listened to all of that and did the deep, deep, deep dive on Texas style fiddle. I didn't start playing fiddle or playing bluegrass really until college. Um, but and then I just, oh, I just got the bluegrass bug, I guess, and I just listened to everybody that I could. Um, but obviously, Stuart Duncan is my favorite fiddle player ever. We all love Stuart. We all love Allison Krauss and Union Station. We, oh, yeah. We've all listened to every one of those damn records, backward and forward. Um, we all love Jerry Douglas, Nickel Creek. I think we're all Nickel Creek fans. You know, we got to open for them in May. Uh, we're all, me and Gavin are, are big Stanley Brothers fans. Oh, everyone in the band, yeah. big Stanley Brothers. That's true. Everybody's so big, probably more Stanley Brothers energy than, than Bill Monroe. But, but we do have some of that. But, but we... We'd, we'd try to make it a point, really, to bring in as much of that as we can, just because we've had so much space to fill. Like, I've had to do so many covers when we fill in at times when the band's out of town. We've been playing at least six years every Monday, so obviously the band's going to change. Not everybody's going to be able to be there each week. So I've just tried to keep a, a songs in the rotation that are Bill, Jimmy Martin. If we can get some Reno and Smiley in there, cool. Stanley Brothers, Flat Scrubs, just the full gauntlet, you know, so that we can try to be as inclusive as we can. Well, and, and like you said, you know, you, you've got that, that weekly gig there at D's uh, cocktail lounge in, in Madison. What's that like? Because, you know, that's a little different than when you're on tour or doing kind of other shows, because like you said, you've got to have, uh, you could have different folks in cause you know, one of, one of y'all could be out, 
But then you could have regulars that keep coming back that maybe don't want to hear the exact same songs every week. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we're doing some of the same stuff every week anyway, and they just have to deal with it. But Yeah. Um, I need to learn some more songs that I sing. It's a nice place to, to learn music. If we need to work something out that's new, that we know we might shit all over, we can at least try it out there and you know, see if we can get through it. We can we can test out songs on audiences too, and see what people will like, see what goes over well and what doesn't. Um, so I mean, I think that's what that definitely keeps it exciting over there. Yeah, I always well, look forward to Monday nights for sure. I, you know, Monday used to be the most miserable day of the week. I would say, yeah. absolutely. And then now, now it's Tuesday. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> It's it really it really did change my outlook on my happiness levels on Mondays because I knew I was going to get to play some awesome bluegrass with some awesome people after work and it gave me something to look forward to about a Monday actually and so and I've I've been enjoying the gig ever since and they fought us for a couple of years but they finally started selling bush light out there I'm serious they, they, they were like nobody's gonna buy that shit and I was like no man, we will. We'll I was gonna say that. you guys would literally, you had it. You were like, it's a minimum. There's at least gonna be like a case every night for all of us. Yeah, they they don't they, they have they did put it on draft a couple times just just for like chits and giggles. But in general, it's just the they just get it in cases. Well, and you know, be, being there, you know, how different is that gig compared to say when you guys do get to go out on tour or open for folks or and things like that? How different is that for for y'all? whether that's mentally or just kind of how you're putting the show together? Um, I mean, I think we're learning that each gig is different. And uh, it's, you know, some of them go, I don't think any of them go badly in this band, but some of them, of course, go better than others. Uh, Jesus gave us good practice at that sometimes, I think. Because um, sometimes the audience that sees you all the time, it's a little harder to get a reaction out of. You know? Yeah, tough crowd sometimes. Yeah, so believe it or not, it actually it, it can be in that regard. You can't just say the same jokes, you know. Um, writers in the Sky get to say the same jokes on the Opry every night for years because it's usually a different crowd in the Opry. Like, almost every night, it's tourists and out-of-town people. And like, so... Um, I think Dee's has given us an opportunity to play together a lot, too, and... Uh, it we've really melded as a band because we have this weekly thing you know obviously we all like practice on our own but to to play together with other humans it just, it's really nice to have the weekly thing and these has been a great spot for that well and, and, and like you said you, you well, and, and you guys have now been able to go out on some, do some gigs, do some tour, touring, play festivals. You played the Ryman recently. How how cool was that to, to be on the Ryman stage? The coolest ever. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the best, man. It really is. Like, we're, we we want to get on the Opry, of course. That's a big goal of ours. But to, to be able to do the Ryman and do it twice now, yeah, it's dream come true, man. No doubt about it. Very special, haunted place. Mm-hmm. And and they don't have that what live laugh love sign uh, back there unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a shock! We were really surprised at that. Yeah, 
Missed opportunity, man. We're gonna we we really will hang one of those up next year. They they book us back. I'm I'm also, I'm just gonna leave it and see see how long it takes for somebody to notice it. I like it. I like it. And and you, you've all like I said. Then you've also been like doing the summer tour. You got some more gigs coming up. What's it been like to get out and play in the festivals and and kind of get out and about and and show everyone what you guys have? I think we we've been really happy. Uh, we we really enjoy getting to step out and play all these different new markets. I think it also has made us aware that we have a whole lot of work to do because we've spent all our time building our market here. And building a brand here and outside of Nashville, we've still got a lot of work to do to be a recognizable name, you know. But I think everybody feels feels really good about it still. This band can play on big stages and really still kick ass. And I think everybody in the band has shown that. And, uh, you know, we just we, we get excited for more opportunities. It's one of those groups that if you put everybody under pressure, they'll do better. If they don't have any pressure, they'll just start, you know. They'll just start quit. They'll, they'll, they'll quit giving a shit, you know. And, goes down have too many bush lights yeah it's just, yeah <laughs> getting unreliable so just more pressure the better and it seems to work out for this band and honestly i love that because the you know it does nothing worse than when you're on stage with somebody who's just having a meltdown and you're just trying to get through the show it's like come on not dude. to say that we haven't had oh yeah I, I, and i will do it again it will happen but this group um carries itself really good man it's always well, makes it always fun because of that try to keep it lighthearted. Mm-hmm. well and, and you guys have an album that you're going to be putting out uh last chance to win comes out on august 18th how exciting is that to be releasing that album it's so exciting i brought over physical copies tonight to give to everybody everybody's here in fact tonight at harry and maddie's place and i got so excited i left them in the truck uh, well, they're, they're outside. Um, we do have, there's our album cover, the original painting that Catherine uh, Gildner did um, of our little cat friend, our little Madison stressed out cat. So um, we're pretty <laughs> we're excited. We're excited about it, of course. You know, I think, I think it's overdue for us as a group. It's been two years since our first album. And people consume music very quickly course and so it's it's past time to get it out there and we're excited to see what it can do for us hopefully start working on the next one soon yeah never too early yeah honestly it's <laughs> kind of the way that it it works well and i was gonna say you know like you said it's the second album how does it differ from the first album how would you say for folks that that maybe have listened to to the first one how, what can they expect with this one and, and so forth we went in with the same nonchalant fashion, and that was important, apparently. But uh, we really didn't even know when we started recording the album what would be on it. We, we had plenty of songs we knew, and we just decided to see what would fit the general mood of where we were at at that point in time. And a few songs we didn't know that we... Several of them we didn't know at all. We learned the day of. <laughs> Which was kind of the way we did the first album, cool. too. But the first album we did during the pandemic, for the most part... And so we didn't have anything else to do. So that's why it ended up with 14 tracks on it was because it was kind of like we were in, we started cooking something in the kitchen and it's like, oh, well, why not just make all this? So we just, we kind of threw it all out there. And uh, each album was a little bit aimless at times, but certainly the first one's probably more progressive bluegrass kind of 
uh, I guess that's what you'd call it, you know, a lot of gilded rakes and powerful movements and things like that. And the second one ended up being more old time, and we didn't plan on that shit at all. It just happened. I think it's powerful in its own little way, but it's it's definitely shows our uh, that we all have all paid attention to old time music, whether or not we spend a ton of time playing it ourselves. We've obviously paid attention to old time music and it, it kind of manifested accidentally on this album. And we've, we've got some tunes that are originals to the band and James wrote one, Harry wrote one, our friend, friend Christian Ward wrote a couple uh, with, and one with Corey. I wrote a fiddle tune, and so we've got some original tunes on there, and they all just kind of turned out a little old-timey sounding. Couple of chords, simple, but just executed. I don't know. I'm really proud of this album. I, I think every artist wants to be proud of what they've done at the end of the day, and I'm proud of this. So it's a good feeling. Can't wait for folks to hear it. Well, and, and like you said, you guys kind of take a little different uh, approach. Maybe it's nonchalant. Maybe it's just, you know, I call it chaos theory. Just kind of see see how th things go. But when it comes to deciding songs, are you, you know, picking stuff from other people that they've either pitched or work, you've worked with? Or like you said, you, you're doing some writing on your own. How, how does that process work for y'all? I think our next album is going to be probably 100% songs that we have written, I would I would venture to say, if I have a say in it, it will be. <laughs> but um, not that we don't enjoy, you know, submissions from our friends. Uh, obviously, there's been some really great ones. We, David Greer uh, gave us a couple songs for our first album that we really liked. and uh, but, but yeah, we haven't really sat down all six of us as a band and written any collective songs that that might be something to do but we haven't really done it yet but anyway what do you have to say about that we definitely we we there'll be i think more original material on the next one as we get a little bit more time to develop that uh as far as being 100 percent, i don't know we'll see uh you know, Greer, I was like, that's Greer, a lot Greer, of pressure. Greer's, hey, Greer's gave me some really great songs since then. Yeah. That, you know, so we we have a lot of stuff that we do need to consider. We yeah, do maybe enjoy, not one hundred percent. We do enjoy listening to see what other people can contribute. Absolutely. And Christian has kind of been, you know, a, a real budding writer. You know, he's starting to get some. I say budding. His career is budding. He's he's an established great songwriter, and um, he's starting to get some recognition because he and Jerry Walker wrote. Uh, uh, Red Daisy for Billy Strings, which one of Billy's um, one song of the year last year. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been a really, really good song for him, um, and it's super cool. And it sounds like it's existed for a lot longer than it has. At least I, that's my opinion of it. And um, so we want to be able to use his talent as much as we can too. And yeah. we just happen to kind of all be in the same place in life. And now he's been writing some with Harry and Corey as well. And, um, so yeah, we'll. We definitely need to get started on it, but we've just been so focused on trying to get this person out the door. It's a lot of work to put out an album, turns out. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. especially when they make you talk to folks like me and, and, and all that good stuff. And, <laughs> well, and, we're, we're putting a, a real concerted effort behind this 
this release, whereas the first release was just as nonchalant as the production because it was the pandemic. What the hell were we going to do? Ramp up and tour nowhere? You know, so we, we finally ended up releasing it after working on it for like a year. We were just in no real big hurry to get it done because we didn't know when the end was going to be in sight for, for COVID-19. It's easy to forget that that was only three years ago that we were in the throes of the chaos three years ago this month, we would have been just chill. We would have definitely had to do this interview on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, because there wasn't anything going on hardly. And so um, that just created a little different environment. We want to take it more serious this time so we could get a little more traction out of it. Well, and it's a, it's a, gr- a great album. I've gotten to listen to it, you know, before I got to chat with y'all. And I always ask this too, because I'm always curious, is there just like a song you're not supposed to have favorites. I say this like with kids. You're just not supposed to have favorites, but I think everyone kind of does. Is there just a song that you guys love performing or just have had more fun with when off this album than maybe, say, some of the others on it? Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, you got, I, I remember reading some of these questions. I don't remember thinking of what my answer for that one was. I, I'll say this. I one of my favorite things about this album is that I don't really feel like there's one that people are necessarily going to skip. Sometimes in albums it's like, man, that's a really killer album, but there's this one song that I skip every time. And I when I've listened through the album, I've really enjoyed listening to every song. Um so it's really difficult for me to pick just one, but man, I think Starlet Iris came out really well. Um, that was our second single that went to the radio, and Harry wrote that one. And it's Corey played a, a I don't even know what kind of band. That one really, really came together naturally in such a cool way. Um, it's the colors on it. Are I, cool I can't remember if we had done Railroad and Gambling at that point or not, but Corey and I had kind of intentionally put our instruments in different places sonically, so. Um, on Railroad and Gambling, he's like Capo 7 on the banjo. He's way up there, and I'm drop D on guitar. And then on, on Starlet Iris, we decided to do the opposite of that, where I was Capo 5 on guitar in, you know, D position. And he's he found this old RB100, I think it was like a 60s RB100. The guy who owned the studio at the tractor shed is a guy named Mark Howard. And Mark's like an old legendary stu- studio guy and, and hung out with, with John Hartford and he lives in a house that I guess belonged to Grandpa Jones and was next to where String Bean and his wife were, were you know, lived and were later murdered. So it's a super cool spot with a lot of history built mega record there to begin with. And Corey just found this banjo in the back. And uh, I, I guess Mark had had it a really long time. And the way that Corey does, it was really fascinating to watch that song come to life because I was, I could see him from, from the booth that I was in and, um, it was like each pass we would make, he would uh, he would understand that instrument better. Because he literally just pulled this thing out of the back, man. And it had dead strings on it, and he, had, he just low-tuned it. I guess, why did he, he's in a low, he's open C, low, you know, low-tuned on this banjo. So he, that means he's got to play really light. You know, I could be wrong. Maybe it's not open C. I think that's what it is, but... That's, hey, you yeah, play the banjo. Yeah, I know, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have one here to try to figure out what he had done on it, but... I just remember it took him a few passes to really like get it dialed in, and each pass he would get better and better. And he would find all the great spots on that instrument. You could hear him trying out different things, and like, okay, 
you know, this does this, you know, you can just see him doing his magic. And by the end of, after we had done it for several takes and we learned it real good, we knew that that was going to be a really special song. And it, it, it sounded to me like it was something that had existed before or something, you know, it sounded like it had, was an older tune and it, it was kind of quirky at the same time. And I just, and as soon as we walked away from the session, me and, and several others were commenting on how it's just an earworm and just gets stuck in your head, you know. There's several songs on the album that are earworms. The song you wrote, Almost Told Her So, that one kind of gets stuck in your head yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. It's but another thing that I liked with Starlet Iris is that we ended up, up turning it into a an animated video where we were all uh, little animals and that was a lot of fun. Uh, Skylar Wilson did that for us and he was just he was somebody that Corey met at D's. No, I don't even yeah. think on a Monday night. It was a, he's, a he's, different night. He's kind of in our circle. And um, he's good buddies with some other, you know, music pals of ours. And he's been record producer and decided to get into animation, you know, for whatever reason. And he's really good at it. And he's funny. Right. And yeah. uh, he wanted to work with us. And we appreciated him uh, working with us. Yeah, he listened to our vision of things and really tried to make as much of it happen as possible. And we gave him some far out ideas and he ran with it and it was great. We're really happy about how that turned out, too. See, it's not nonchalant. It's just like I said, it's a little bit of chaos through you. Just, you know, loose ideas, see what happens. And and I think a lot of things have turned out great on on this album for y'all. And and, you know, obviously this comes out on the 18th of august we're all a little over halfway through the year what else can folks expect from you the rest of 2023 same stupid jokes <laughs> for sure same or different but there'll be some new ones maybe tim allen will be mentioned at nearly every show we're actually really trying to push hard to, to like get him in real life to come out to our one of our shows like we really got to get him and richard Carn out there so if anybody out there knows a good way for us to connect with, with his team, mm-hmm. we want to have his team talk to our team. That's correct. Jenkins and accounting. Yes. Um, I like it. We're, we're going to travel more next year. We're going we're gonna to tour a little bit here later this year. We've got quite a few shows to finish out the year. Um, and we hope to see as many people as we can. we got a new album that we're trying to get out into as many hands as we can. It's well, it looks like a, a great rest of the year, a great setup for 2024. And like I said, folks need to check out Last Chance to Win when it comes out on August 18th. And and James, Maddie, thanks for sharing a drink. I know mine was a little stronger than y'all's, but I, I appreciate it. And, and it's Thank been a lot you. of fun. It has been. We, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having us. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.